Welcome to the Peach Pit Fitness Podcast, part of the Think Fit, Be Fit Podcast Network, where we put the power of dynamic fitness back in your hands one mental rep at a time. Effective thinking for potent fitness. Welcome to the Peach Pit. Hey, hello, Peach Pit fans. We're back from a little break. Hello, Meredith. Hi, Jen. How are you? Fabulous. And so glad to see you and welcome a phenomenal guest today, Brad Schoenfeld, PhD in exercise science. Uh, Welcome to Peach Pit Fitness. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. So I'll get right to it. Uh, We have a two-part episode as usual. And this first part is, you know, a conversation really more about me and Meredith picking your brain about so much of the work that you've done. And it's all fascinating to us. So buckle up, guys. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So Brad, your name and hypertrophy are synonymous to pretty much most of my sphere of exercise and fitness. And I just really want to hear it from you. Like I have my reasons, but why is this a worthy focus of study? Um, well, I, I mean, we, we could take up the whole half hour just discussing that, but um, I, I think the short course is, is that first of all, hypertrophy is something that uh, many, if not the majority of people who are coming to personal trainers are aspiring to. Uh, when I was a personal trainer, the vast majority of my clientele uh, they were not looking to take a uh, second off their sprint time or to jump a, an inch higher, which was the majority of strength and conditioning research. They were looking to look great naked, which turned out to be my website. And um, specifically, it was increasing muscle size was a primary consideration. I was a uh, former bodybuilder and have over the years worked with many high level bodybuilders. So, I mean, it's something that is uh, is of interest to people. And I will also say that muscle there's a, a correlation between uh, hypertrophy and strength. So increasing hypertrophy can lead to greater strength. Muscle is an endocrine organ. It, it secretes various uh, substances that are have positive benefits on health. And it, I could go on and on. But uh, the other thing is, I just, uh, that's my focus. So I, mm-hmm. I do what I, I re- research what I like. So that's how I ended up here. I just wanted to highlight hypertrophy is one of the causes of looking good naked. <laughs> Not everybody gets that though. Right? And I'm I'm curious to ask you questions about that. Just but Jen, continue. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, no, no, not specifically that, but yes. Okay, sorry. Oh, you mean uh our, I, our perception I mean, hyper- of hypertrophy. Yes. And like how that for some people could be scary, specifically when you're working with, and I don't mean to generalize, but like oftentimes women are afraid of the word even like building, you know, not all women, of course. And certainly this couldn't uh, be an issue for men too, although I don't see it as much Mm -hmm. there, but um, just in a lot of your studies, like the one that we were going to maybe speak on with um, the full range of motion versus partial range of motion training, you used all female subjects. And I was curious if you have like what kind of intake you have questionnaires you ask them to get an, an understanding of their psychological, their mindset coming into a program like that or into a study like the one that you did. Well, I mean, that that's not a focus. That's not an outcome of the studies that, that certainly that study you're referring to and, and often not really in the focus of my research. I don't recall if we've done any uh, psychological uh, testing in that realm on women. But I, I will, I think more importantly, or just as importantly to answer your question, that is one of the reasons why it's been very difficult to do hypertrophy research in women. Because, mm. you know, we have a flyer that's ended up gain muscle and uh, women are like, I want to gain, I want to lose fat, you know. Get, right. So when I say I'm overgeneralizing now, but it's, I've tried to carry out studies, doing my best now to try to integrate because it's a very understudied population. Uh, the vast majority of studies in hypertrophy are in men, and a lot of it has to do with the difficulty in getting uh, samples. And I know I'll talk like when I put my stuff out online, women will say, oh, I would volunteer. Well, I mean, I'm at a school and we can only recruit from if they're in California or in Nebraska. Right. 
I'm not going to be able to have them in New York in a study. So uh, I, I can just tell you, it is difficult. The study you're referring to was carried out in Brazil, and uh, they were able to, my colleagues were able to recruit a sufficient sample, which was good. But uh, it is a difficult chore, and one of my life's, a substantial part of my life's work is to dispel the myth that women are going to look too bulky from resistance training and that mm -hmm. adding muscle there, it just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, people or women will look at bodybuilders, female bodybuilders in magazines or something and think that's what they're going to look like. And, you know, besides the fact that they have elite genetics, the, these women, they're also generally taking uh, certain substances that enhance that ability. So again, women, uh, if the addition of resistance training will only help women's physiques and improve, generally improve their self-esteem. And uh, I've been a huge champion of that and trying to instill that or debunk the myth and instill the importance of it in, in society. Well, thank you. And yes, you, Jen and I yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of our uh, discussion points between the two of us and why it was, you know, a just a joy to be able to like, gather some thoughts and and get to be in this room with you, right? What is like the potential future look like for women-specific training research? I think the future looks like we need to carry out more studies in women. Uh, mm -hmm. So when you say, what does it look like? As I mentioned, it's an understudied population. And uh, it. I think it is. it goes hand in hand with making women understand that not only is it not not only aren't they going to look like a she-man from the Amazon, uh, you know, if they resist the strain, it's going to help them. They will look more attractive in mm -hmm. general. And I mean, of course, that is subjective to what mm -hmm. people think, but it certainly is not going to make them look bulky the way that women think it will. And that it has huge health implications. The uh, addition of muscle, I mentioned some of that earlier, I touched on it, and that particularly for women, Mm -hmm. That uh, resistance training has, um, in my opinion, even more important than for men because women start out with lower bone density. They have smaller joints in general as an average. Uh, they're more prone to osteoporosis, to uh, more prone towards frailty. Heart disease, yeah. Well, heart disease, that's not as much a resistance training. Mm -hmm. There's some evidence of that, but frailty, I'm talking about more from a functionality mm. uh, standpoint. So uh, women generally will, because again, of the smaller bone structure and muscle, they're going to get sarcopenia to a greater degree, which is an age-related loss of muscle. Anyway, uh, these are, this is a mindset we need to change and that will help to drive more research. You know, one, basically it's chicken or the egg. The uh, egg is the getting women, I think, to understand that uh, this is beneficial for them. And then we could start driving more research, which again will cyclically enhance that whole process. Yeah, that's, well, thank you. And um, one of our missions really with this podcast like, is to really speak to that problem and, you know, go in between where the evidence is, what it's telling us and what our Instagram scrolling is telling us and to be able to meet people in the middle and help them ask better questions and then lead themselves into the right direction. And actually that direction was probably going to be some of your research. So <laughs> that's just, you know, so it's amazing to hear that from, you know, you doing the research in the field. Besides your lab, what other labs are doing research on women in training? I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know offhand of a lab that's focusing on that. There's some a kind of question, I'd have to think about it, but I mean, a lot of, I know a lot of groups are trying to, mm. uh, but like I said, I, I just a guess uh, based on my knowledge of the literature, we probably have 80% of the hypertrophy work. Uh, I will say that uh, the last few studies from our lab we've started to integrate men and women because it's difficult for me to get in my school enough women to carry out a study just on women, but we're integrating where we're carrying out a research that includes both men and women. And we're trying to subanalyze, but a lot of times there isn't enough women in the cohort to subanalyze. But what I would say is, is that I think this is probably a good thing from what we, we know, there really does not seem to be much difference that, 
with a few exceptions in terms of the responses uh, from women and men. So I, women and men tend to respond fairly uh, equally, similarly to uh, resistance training protocols. There's a, a couple of things that have been shown that uh, I think have some potential practical importance, including that women seem to recover better. They seem to tolerate more repetitions to a greater extent. Uh, so they tend to not fatigue as quickly as more <laughs> in the fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah that's an interesting one because they've had to be no, i'm just kidding <laughs> sorry <laughs> um oh my goodness i saw on your research gate that there was a pilot study with resistance training and like periodizing around the menstrual cycle and it looked like that one there was not much of a difference in the periodization as well and that's one of the big myths one of the big things I see on my Instagram is these posts trying to convince people to like change all of their training based on cycles. Yeah, it's a great question. Now, again, that study speaks to the difficulty and becomes even more difficulty in recruiting. And it becomes even more difficult with something like that, because trying to, there's a lot of problems with trying to set up a study that is based around menstrual cycle, just its methodological issues that make it difficult to carry out that research. But I, here's what I can say for this is anecdotal, and I think it needs more research. But I, I was a personal trainer before I became a, uh, a researcher educator for many years. And my experience is, is that the differences in response to uh, how women respond to training during and around their menstrual cycle is extremely varied. Some women have no issues whatsoever, and other women have major issues where they would basically not be able to train properly. And I have a lot of, um, you know, I'm talking about training hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women. So a lot of experience in this area, which again, when you're dealing with small studies, I'm not sure we would get the power to understand these things, mm -hmm. to, get, to get enough subjects to really get uh, the insights into inter-individual differences. But that does speak to the fact that I don't think, I'm not sure that a research study would probably provide the insights that we're looking for there because ultimately it's going to come down to the individual. If you are someone who gets a lot of cramps and just has issues and you're fatigued uh, during, your during your period, you probably want to program around that. And then for other women who, who there's no issue whatsoever, there's not an issue. So um, again, there are certain things I think that there are, there are certainly are obvious limitations to research. And uh, we, we need to understand those limitations and not just take that, well, research says this, so I'm going to do this. Research says something, but that's going to provide you guidelines. And then you have to look at inter-individual variability. And ultimately, everything comes down to programming for the individual. Yeah, flipping yeah. great point there. Um, <laughs> yes. I saw a lot of variations when I was coaching uh, women's soccer and doing strength and conditioning with women's soccer. and. Yeah, it just felt like a you're in a ping video ping game. The, yeah. <laughs> the, pinball. The, pinball. Pinball. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, they would just have all kinds of different responses and things to say at different times of the week and day and month. It was bringing back some memories there. I think that this is all such great information for people too. It's right down to, you know, it really comes down to the individual and like anybody who's listening to this should keep that in mind. You can read a research study and you can have information, but it's information that still has to be applied to you as a specific individual. Yeah. And I, I to just further that, it certainly, number one, it's going to depend on the topic too, that certain topics are going to be much less applicable to being able, research would have more applicability to certain topics than it would to others. But regardless, you always want to, if possible, take research as a first line because it's objective. You know, there's a lot of subjectivity in, in terms of, you know, I feel this more or whatever, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to give you better results. Where people could think they're told something by some bro in the gym, and they think that uh, because bro in the gym who gets really good results is doing it, I'm going to get good results, and there, there's confirmation bias there. You know, there's a, and a placebo effect. Uh, so we, we need to take the uh, evidence, what we know, but then always in an applied science, such as exercise and nutrition as well, is to take that information and then say, all right, 
how do I respond as an individual? Because virtually every, almost every topic, you're going to see fairly wide inter-individual responses. And some people are at this part of the curve. Some people are at this part of the curve. And uh, depending upon where you are, that's going to dictate what you want to do. I'd like to move on to this partial range of motion, full range of motion subject. And the paper that I that we both read through was the 2021 published in the European Journal of Sports Science on knee extension in a partial range of motion, mostly lengthened position, comparing it to a full range of motion knee extension. Mm-hmm. And you guys looked at vastus lateralis and rectus femoris. If, if there was a difference in hypertrophy in those muscles following like, I don't know, what was it like eight weeks or so of training? I was personally fascinated by this and we just have a lot of, we just have a lot of things and questions about it. But I guess a good way to start is like, what were some of your takeaways from that research? Yeah, I think the most important takeaway is that when you train the leg muscle, the quad muscles in a lengthened position, uh, meaning the initial part of the uh, repetition. So let's say a leg extension, the full repetition is from 100 degrees So of knee flexion, where your knee is flexed. So here's your knee. This would be like 100 degrees of knee flexion to full extension, which is zero degrees. So when you're training in the initial phase, which would be, let's say, 100 degrees to to 50 degrees or so, first 50 degrees of range of motion, it has more uh, anabolic effects. So you will get greater muscle development from doing that part of the rep than if you do the final part of the rep. And what actually seems to be that it, at least in the leg extension, uh, at certain points in the muscle, it had even greater effects than doing through a full range of motion. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't necessarily do a full range of motion, and you should only focus on that because in, I'll give you two things. A number one, it doesn't have to be an either or. So you don't. People look at a research study and say, "We, sh- you're looking at this versus that versus this." So I'll, I, if this got better results, I should do this. Well, that's doesn't necessarily follow that you only should be doing that. You could do some long length, some stretch position, and then you could do some full range. Uh, There is evidence that training through a full range of motion is optimal for strength gains. So across the range of motion. So basically strength gains are specific to the range of motion that you train in. Mm -hmm. So if you're training through a shortened range of motion, you're going to get your maximal strength gains will be in the range of motion that you're training in. And as you're getting to, let's say, if you're just doing it in that initial phase, you're not going to gain as much strength in the in the rest of the range of motion. So that in itself, from a functional standpoint, from a uh, strength-related standpoint, you'd want to do full range. And there can be, like I said, we didn't look at it, but could there be benefits from combining ranges of motion and that, uh, well, we did actually, interesting, we looked at, this is one of the few studies that looked at a combination. We looked at doing some full range and then some shortened range, and that actually showed really good benefits. And we didn't look at doing some uh, lengthened range and then full range. So th- anyway, there's so, there's different permutations that can be done, and uh, I think the evidence that we had certainly showed that a combination may help to optimize uh, hypertrophy. I was just wondering, how did you determine zero degrees of, or uh, sorry, 100 degrees of knee flexion to 30 degrees of knee flexion? Why didn't you, assuming that the participants were able to go to full extension, why wasn't that included? Why did it stop at 30 degrees of knee flexion? You know, I don't, it's been a while. So it's been two years since we actually got that published. I don't remember. Did we, did we not go to zero? I thought we did go to zero. I think it went the, the, the final range of motion was 65 to 30. And I was just wondering, cause if somebody had more knee flexion than hundred degrees, if you're trying to assess like the lengthened position, I just didn't know if there was a, you know, and it, these were untrained subjects if, to my understanding. So Correct. maybe you wouldn't want them to go through that range. Maybe those ranges are a little more like precarious. You know, I don't recall. I, I mean, okay. I, I remember I was just curious. on the initial uh, discussion about that. Uh, so I collaborated with a group in Brazil okay. on that study. And uh, I, I don't recall when we had 
discuss the methods why that was the case. I'd have to go back. Yeah, that's okay. I was just curious. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And I saw something you posted today with a tricep medial and lateral head. I think this kind of it was it was interesting because um there was hypertrophy gains found throughout both heads, even though it was trained at the lengthened position. Is that correct? Well, yeah. So the study looked at doing an overhead tricep extension where basically the arm is elevated and you do an extension that way versus a like a push down where the elbows are at your sides. And it was really interesting. It was a very a study out of Japan, really fascinating finding. So uh, I don't know how much science, geeky science you want to go into, but when they, <laughs> we love it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> there's, um, there's a force length curve uh, or length tension curve. And there's something called the ascending limb and the descending limb. When the sarcomeres work on what's called the descending limb of that strength curve, which is in the strength, it benefits from training in a stretch position, essentially. Mm -hmm. And when it works on the ascending limb, the initial uh, part, it, it would seemingly not. But interestingly, the, the long head of the triceps works on the descending limb. So it makes sense that that would have beneficial hypertrophic effects in the overhead extension. And that did, it did show better results in the <laughs> overhead extension versus the pushdown. However, it also showed better results for the other two tricep heads as well, which was unexpected. We would have mm -hmm. expected really no difference because it's working on the ascending limb and thus seemingly wouldn't benefit from the stretch there. Cool. We could <laughs> and, and there was no mechanistic data done to really try to find out why. There could be physiological factors. I think the authors speculated there may be more metabolic stress involved, could be greater hypoxia. We're just not sure. But it was just really interesting. And I think the takeaway, which I did post on my Instagram page, people can check that out if they want. But my what, what I would say the biggest take-home is, is that the overhead tricep extension it should be an essential exercise in someone's routine if their goal is to maximize muscle hypertrophy. Now, with that said, both, it doesn't mean that you don't get hypertrophy of the, uh, you know, long head and the lateral medial heads with a push down. It was just a greater, the hypertrophy was greater with the overhead extension in all three heads of the triceps. Well, couldn't it be that the long head of the tricep is in a more lengthened position when we're here versus here where it may be more, have more slack because of it being a two joint muscle. So that maybe the lateral medial head could be in a better position to like make that motion happen. Maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, that, that is a, I, I believe the authors speculated that might be the case too, but that also goes against the fact that the there's greater hypertrophy in the lung head as well. So if okay. the lung head is is not being able to carry out as much action, then why did it get greater hypertrophy? Now, gotcha. Perhaps okay. that could be attributed to the passive elements. Again, now we're getting into real geeky speculation, yeah. uh, which I'm not sure in a <laughs> yeah. consumer Just, podcast yeah. we want to do, but but yeah. that is but that it's really is, interesting. It's, it it's is interesting. it yeah. is a uh, I think a a possible theory or a possible hypothesis that can be further. You're a New York City person, Brad. And so I was just curious, do you have a favorite gym to work out in when you're in New York City? Well, I work out at a, so I'm in Westchester County. I work out at an, okay. any, at an Anytime Fitness. I'm, oh, not, okay. I'm not in the city, but uh, when, gotcha. I, when I go to the city, there are uh, several gyms that, uh, that I have trained at since COVID. I kind of, I, I used to kind of go into the city and just would... No, no colleagues of mine. I haven't done that. Uh, so I kind of am staying local now. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the last question, like what, anything from nineties fitness culture that inspired you or still inspires you at, at all? Is, is there? Absolutely. I mean, so I'm a product of that uh, era in terms of my bodybuilding. I started out as a gym bro who uh, followed all the bodybuilding routines and I was inspired by the physiques of my favorite bodybuilders back then, starting with Frank Zane, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, progressing into especially the 90s where we had, uh, I don't know, this probably is certainly before your time, but <laughs> Lee Labrada and Sean Ray and and other uh, bodybuilders from that era, uh, Francois Benfado. So uh, yeah, they they actually were who uh, were my heroes back then, and I still remember uh, subscribing to like Muscle and Fitness and <laughs> magazines and getting it delivered in the mail. And I couldn't wait to run out and 
rip open the plastic that it was packed in the routine. So, uh, yeah, look, I've uh, one of my focuses, obviously, as a researcher educator, is to take the bro science, if you will, things that the gym uh, bros are preaching, and then put it into practice. But I, I'll say this too: there's a lot of stuff when when bodybuilders don't get big. I mean, there are certain things they have genetics; they do other things too. Uh, or sometimes, but um, <laughs> but uh, they also know how to train. There's a lot mm -hmm. to be said. So uh, people who dismiss what bodybuilders do, I think, are really missing the boat. Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yes, that's one of our that's one of our favorite yeah. things to talk about. So thank you for being a person of real influence and evidence, and just a stature in this crazy industry. We totally appreciate you being here, and appreciate Absolutely. you being you. Championing uh, women's research too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's my my pleasure. Hopefully, we'll do it again sometime. All right, thank fabulous. You. Thank you. Ciao. Take care. What if I told you the biggest thing standing in the way of peak performance is potentially something as simple as changing how you breathe? We at Think Fit Be Fit rely on science for new ways to optimize performance. That's why we've partnered with NeuroPeak Pro and their new product, the Intel Belt. NeuroPeak has developed the next generation of wearable tech. This belt is a real-time training device designed to teach users how to breathe properly in order to strengthen their resilience to stress, recover quickly, and effectively execute the task in front of them. If you're ready to begin unleashing the true power of breath, download the free NeuroPeak Pro app to experience their precision breath training, or dive deeper into the science of breath training by visiting thinkfitbefitpodcast.com slash NPP. Your best training is a breath away. Okay, we're back after a little breaky break. Yes. <laughs> Congrats on getting through that team. Good job. Yes, go team. That was so fun though. So interesting and insightful in so many ways. I know. I mean, and we didn't have to pay grad school tuition to get a front row seat. Like <laughs> Thank that's God. sick. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> I'd like to point out that Mr. Schoenfeld did not like register. He kind of inferred that we were kind of young, which is, oh. I want to attribute that to hypertrophy. I, well, I you know, <laughs> I, I do think that like exercise is like, um, like a magic pill. It's the closest yeah. thing we have to a fountain of use mm -hmm. that in like decent eating, like not even like great eating, mm -hmm. like just decent, just decent. <laughs> but like, if you have a regular exercise part, I just, you know, yeah. I, I think we're around so many people that work out regularly. Right. And I just, um, I think it's makes a huge difference mm -hmm. if you're trying yeah. to, you know, stay young as long as possible. Like, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a difference between my classmate, high school classmate, let's mm. say who's been smoking cigarettes for 20 years. And I've been putting time in the gym for 20 years. Like there's a difference, like that's for sure. So I'll die on that hill. If anybody wants to come at me, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I, said it. <laughs> no, I, I, Absolutely agree with you. I think it is. <laughs> All right. We know what hill we're going to die on. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least one. Yeah. There, might be, uh, there might be more hills, but that's, that's one of them. <laughs> that's one of them. Okay. Um, anywho. Okay. Back to range of motion. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that. So what comes up for me, like in the internet space of range of motion yeah. is I think of um, people like the polarity. There's, al there's mm. always a polarity when it comes to the internet. There's the trainers who are going to, the very bro science forward <laughs> trainers who are going to say, you have to go full range, you right. know, especially in the like strength and conditioning area, like have to train, you have to train the full range and there's really not much exception. So that's one thing, yeah. one pol polar, one pole. And then the other poll is I'm thinking of like bar and um, oh yeah, where it's like uh, like a lot of tiny range of motion. Sure, it, yeah, yeah. Um, the glorification of like the baby yeah. burn, the baby burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, which, so, I, which is also very cool too. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a fan yeah. of the pump. I get well, it. Well, I know, right, right. Those little like 
But to your point, pull and pull. And then like, what do we have all the way in between that? And like, does it have to be one or the other or can it be all of it? And can like that be? So I'm going to put our version of it in the the Care Bear sphere. (laughs) Oh, Rainbow Here's our <laughs> that is is that yeah like I, I think yeah, it's 80s 80s um, and then it but then it came back it's again back, I think in yeah. like 2017 or something um so yeah the math there it works out um it works out <laughs> so, so then our our version of it is the Care Bear version where it's like it all fits into something and yes. it's it's there's a sequencing and there's a you know there's there's a rationale and you can come up with a rationale for all like different ranges at different times. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna leave my Care Bear image, but I it, like that. It's ex- it's a, it's it's above. It's exalted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like an umbrella. Like yeah. A, like, uh-huh. like 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 g- casting its glory on all of us. If <laughs> yes. should we choose to. <laughs> Once so now, now we're coming down yeah. to the earth to give you guys the info about training different ranges of motion, not just full, not just partial. And, um, you know, just like sprinkle that goodness on you guys. It's, it's, yeah. I, I mean, it is well, pretty exciting when you, when I can get into a zone and it takes a little bit of creativity and trust and finding different ranges within one setup of an exercise. That's kind of where I like to do it for myself. And I also like to do it for clients, um, helping, I don't do anything for my clients, but like helping them configure a set where they can use a minimal setup and use different ranges to create muscle tension in different ranges, basically in different positions. So yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I love that. I love that Brad's research was showing that there is absolutely benefit to training in different ranges that, you know, if you're looking at hypertrophy only, Mm -hmm. then maybe there's this, maybe there's this benefit to training in a lengthened position, but from a strength perspective, training through the a specific range yields more strength in that specific range. So if you're only training at one end or, you know, the lengthened end or the shortened end, you're going to get stronger in the lengthened end or the shortened end. So, <laughs> so, you know, and if you're training full range of motion, like that's cool. Like exploring all of those things is beneficial for something, you know, whether it's strength, hypertrophy, sensation, learning, it's like how to um, control the weight through different, I, I think there's so much that goes beyond just strength and hypertrophy, even though those are like a lot of the, you know, two main goals that people come in with, but there are just so many other factors in terms of like the ability to sense and like, and control and, and, and empowered feeling empowered. Like I know that I am in control of this weight at all, you know? So, um, there's so much to that. And I also though, and we had talked about this the other day, it brings up for me, we haven't really gotten into this too much in the podcast yet. I don't think, but Mm. like, um, we have in certain episodes, but having a good machine that Mm. allows you to explore different ranges in a way that makes sense. So like you and I were talking about like booty bands Mm -hmm. and like sometimes that won't even like your, your, your set with this particular tool that only depending on its resistance, depending on its tension only allows you, it doesn't even allow you to explore maybe. So, so you'd almost have to have multiple resistances, multiple tensions to work with, to even like get to a lengthened range or, or like a really shortened range Mm-hmm. And then an appropriate tension for something that is more lengthened. So it, then be, knowing what tools you have available to you and how you would, like you said, like with minimal setup mm-hmm. or minimal learning how one machine could benefit you in one particular range and another machine might benefit you more in a different range. Those things come up for me. Mm-hmm. And also when we're talking about full range of motion, like what that means to people, because, you know, like Mm. I'm sure we've mentioned before, like, do you have to squat all the way to the ground? And like, Mm. what are we really challenging then? Like what Mm. if, 
if I'm moving gravity, well, well right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Like, but I'm no longer, right. it just, there's like that so many different, <laughs> but no, but there are so many different things that come up, you know, with this full range, partial mm-hmm. range thing. And I just think, I love that we started exploring it with this piece of research because it is a great like entry point into that topic that I think Mm -hmm. is a really could be a really huge topic. I think if we're going to get anywhere with that topic, I think getting a really good solid definition of lengthened stretch eccentric under the, what, I mean, what do you tell your clients and do they ask about eccentrics or do, or you know what I mean? Like, how do you explain it to your students in the app? Like what, you know what I mean? I don't really use, unless that somebody would, yeah. would bring it up, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't really, you know, I might talk about like controlling it on the Control. way down mm-hmm. or like really trying to reach all the way to the floor. If it's like, cause like you, I'm sure you experience that people kind of across the board, like we all tend to cheat in the same ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like the, the same issues can come up time and time again for, for people. Like, a, like if you're really trying to explore like a full range, like where are you stopping short or how are you getting there? Or like, um, do, do we want to increase the load in the eccentric phase? Because it can, we could, or like what benefit could that have? Or what risk could that have depending on who the client is? Um, mm-hmm. Well, how about you? What do you, I mean? Cause I do think it would be really important to define because those things mean different things to me, eccentric and, mm-hmm. and stretch. Yeah. It came up that proposition. Like we need to like better define these things came up as I was fielding our, my Instagram audience and our podcast okay. audience on, on this particular guest. Okay. Because he's doing some of his research in, you know, intraset. Yeah. Intraset stretching mm-hmm. Right. And hypertrophy right. and eccentrics and hypertrophy kind of go hand in hand. So you know that came up a lot uh, with different people, and some not in our like direct MAT like RTS community types. Like it was, it, it was on other people's minds as well. Was um, the question more like about him defining those things, or was it more about like what does? or the potential risk of what, yeah, what, what were the like, questions what is, kind of in relation to? Yeah. Cause sometimes um, it's really just generically used like a stretch in between sets. Like, you know, can we better just like dive into that? Like, what does it mean? What, yeah. What, what would that and look then, like? Yeah. And then someone in like more like the MAT community kind of said, yeah, like it, there's a potential benefit to the intraset stretching and hypertrophy but what are the potential risks yeah. there too? Yes. It made me think about fitness for consumption, who's had David Bame on, who mm. has done multiple research studies on elongated stretching sessions. Right, and, right. And right, neurophysiology. Right. And it there's just so many different comp- like pieces. I don't want to say completely yeah. the little pieces to our words and how we execute an exercise or give somebody instruction to execute an exercise. And that's really what comes up for me. It's like, um, but the other thing that came up for me is uh, thinking about range of motion and something as common as the deadlift. Mm. And this is wrapped up into this conversation. I would, you know, I'd go, I'd, I'd, a blanket statement for me on that is like a lot of people blow through their hip extension, hamstring range of motion in a deadlift. Sure. And um, so what's their goal, right? And if it's to keep tension on the hamstrings and keep training on the next week, (laughs) why aren't we promoting more partial range of motion in that case for safety? Yeah. Well, and that's what I, yeah. What comes up for me when I was talking about the squat thing earlier, it's like, well, what did you, did you want to go into like lumbar flexion? Did you want, I mean, did you want that to be like the main thing that got you down to the floor? Mm-hmm. Like, is that, and then posterior the other, pelvic tilts. Yeah. Squats. Like, like um, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, but, but, but the thing with like with squats or with deadlifts mm-hmm. specifically, like if you are training for a competition, you have to lift that weight off the floor. Like you can't yeah. do a partial, you know what I mean? So it's like, yes, if you're trying to keep the tension on the hamstrings or the glutes or like where, wherever you're trying to, whatever form you're trying to maintain, 
But I think for a lot of people, they could be legitimately like training for the purpose of competing. Yeah. Well, I'll, I I think like I'll indulge me and you and maybe the audience (laughs) on just like what I did for my quads today, which was Mm. different ranges of motion within Mm. the same setup and shout out to DMV iron. Uh, I need to come work out with you there. Yeah. I mean, man, it's a, it's such a great playground because that that kind of setup can show you you can devise a whole set of you know I can focus on the shortened range I can focus on the lengthened range I can focus on the mid range and maybe I can do all three and some of those machines like that's what I do is I try to do I try to do two to three different ranges within my time with that machine in one in one workout. So I did yeah. that today. So I did a my squat. He they even have a safety squat bar, which um, is like awesome. And I, I bring my 10 degree prime wedges. Nice, nice. awesome. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> the ones they have there are like yeah. it looks like a sliding board. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want the sliding board one. Well, yeah, I don't okay. know what I'm doing, but but yeah. yeah, no, I I so a gym that I just started working out at, they have mm-hmm. wedges, but they're in, they're separate. Yeah. So I get really nervous about mm-hmm. like backing up onto them because I'm like, what if I what if I miss the wedge? You know, like I like the ones that are the like one. a little bit like mm-hmm. just one piece, so you mm-hmm. can just have a little more like yeah wiggle room. So or, yeah, I think they piece them out cool. for kind of split squats, that okay. type of oh, setup. Okay. Yeah, cool. I think that's really what it's for. Yeah. Um, because you're right, it is a little dangerous. <laughs> but maybe you're stepping right, maybe back on two. Yeah. 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 No, but I that mean, makes sense. I could, yeah, I don't want that to go wrong. So I set that up um, <laughs> and 10 degrees is great for me. I don't need yeah. any more. So for that, I'm getting a quad stretch for sure. Like I'm getting, right. um, and I'm starting my workout with that, uh, you know, lengthened, which is not something I would have done a couple of years ago. Like I've right. had to earn my right, yes. my my range. Let's say I earned my range. <laughs> I got my badge. Maybe we could start at Girl Scouts for. Uh, <laughs> we'll start um, giving away peach pit badges. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Um, I earned my badge in range of motion for squats, and that took some time for me. At that so what that means is you know going into something lengthened at the hip and the knee you know it's 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 a lot it's a big demand and I had to make sure for me that it was safe and now it is and now I can recover from it and it feels good so I had that going for my first exercise and I paired that with intraset isometrics hmm. and. That's using just the same setup, right? I have my have my squat rack, and there's plenty of things to push on for an isometric there. So I did a I did a hip flexion, I guess, or yeah, a rec fem type of isometric, and then on the latter half, because this is a long set, so I'm going about six sets in the squat rack, okay. and okay. for ten reps. And it gets my heart pounding and I get sweaty. Mm. And, I get, <laughs> um, and, uh, and then the, the latter half of that, I did glute isometrics, standing, pushing against the one of the arms or the cage arms. And then I moseyed on over to the prime leg extension, which has, you know, multiple different cams and multiple right. different loading points. So I did one set at more of like a mid-range focus and I was kind of tired after that. I did three sets of that. And then I did two sets at lengthened, which would be more like Brad's uh, research where I was at close, what would I think would be close to a hundred degrees. And, you know, what, what's the max knee flexion I would start in? That would probably be it for me, especially after doing those squats. Yeah. Are you guys liking this play-by-play, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you should have like a board, like one of like, in like, like the football board thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Draw the players. 
Uh, and then I finished off with it's like a standing hip machine where you have different settings and I what do people, what do people call that a circumduction multi hip yeah multi hip yeah. I don't I don't know but yeah but that's yeah. what I've heard it called before. so yeah it looks like yeah it it doesn't look like any other machine in the gym it looks like something it might be more in like you would prop up on a for a mechanic or something it doesn't look like you know what I mean it doesn't have like a traditional gym machine look it has like a standing area and, and I did hip flexion on that. And Mm. I love getting hip flexion. I I love, I love working out hip flexion. So that's a whole nother episode. And then, and then I did some, um, no weight, didn't need anything at this point. So just some walking lunges on the turf. Yeah. Right. That's (laughs) bye-bye. That was it. home to feed the dog. And that was that. It was a great workout. So my point is we're talking about three different setups, one with body weight. And in two of those setups, I was using different schemes of range of motion to get what I wanted done. I could go on. I posted something on Instagram with the row the other day. Mm -hmm. And I do this with lat pull downs as well, where I just change my body position a little bit, just to line things up a little differently. And I think it feels great, you know? Um, And again, I've had to earn that as well. My badge in upper body endurance and like forearm endurance (laughs) Um, for sure, like has come a long way. So there's my badge. And you know, I, I, and I definitely would encourage, so I train with a friend sometimes her name's Nicole shout out. She definitely listens to our episodes and, (laughs) and I encourage, you know, uh, both of us to like explore different ranges and it's, you know, it's really fun with the upper and lower body doesn't, you know, need to be like in research, like always like he was talking about the tricep and the quads. There's not a whole, it's hard to study a lot of, you know, these, some of the bigger, even some of the bigger muscles like hamstrings, like, you know, poof. So anyways, that's my uh, play by play. What I, what I, I love your play by play and what I, (laughs) uh, what really came up for me through it, you know, I um, occasionally will have people ask like, how do you keep it from being boring? Like, what do you do when you don't have motivation? Or like, what do you do? Like when it just feels so like repetitive and rote and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, huh? Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> what? But like, but like, but that, but to me, that's, that's what it is. Right. It's like being curious about all of those different pieces. It's, I mean, not, it could be, you could just do focusing on different ranges of motion and like changing it up in some way, shape or form, but like exploring all of those things like is really like what, because cause it keeps you engaged mm-hmm. and not just like mm-hmm. starting to think about your grocery list or whatever. Like mm-hmm. then like, well, it would be boring if you're just like going through some motions and like, oh, I'm doing what they told me to do in the magazine and blah, blah, blah. And like, whatever. It's like, that's what to me makes all of this, like something that I do want to return to on a regular basis is that mm-hmm. it is, I, I'm finding each day what this is going to feel like. And I'm exploring a new range or like not a new range, but like a range differently or like, like, you know what, this one feels really good today. Let me just stay here and let me just like really try to engage and connect to this thing. And like maybe another day it's like, man, you know, I just want to like go. I just want to like get through, like not get through it, but like move like full range. I just want to, you know? Um, so I, that's what I, I think it, if, if you're feeling like your workout has is, is like the same every single day, like start to see like maybe ways that you could change it up and maybe exploring different parts of the range of motion is, is a way to like enter into that. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That's, I think that's one of my big takeaways for the audience. I mean, I think, you know, the big takeaway for this episode was really like, I wanted to have fun with this and learn and, you know, you all are just volunteering to watch that. That's what, what part of my perspective was on this. But I think the big takeaway is like you're one of my clients or you're someone just in that boat where you are looking for more connection and more fun in your exercise, specifically resistance training and strength training is, yeah, being able to explore and have a safe place to do it is like just so incredibly rewarding. And, you know, if you have any questions about that, I know I would love 
to hear from you. I'm sure you'd be open to talk, chit-chatting Absolutely. to anyone about that because those questions Absolutely. are so fun to watch somebody go through that change of, wow, I really love taking care of my body yeah. from, it was a chore before. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 So we're here to empower y'all. <laughs> that's absolutely that's, that's the takeaway so we got our 90s fix i feel like yes yes i did because <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't want to be on the spot for my <laughs> yeah i know but I, I, mean, I, would, yeah. I would love to know what the audience wants to hear about because we've talked about so many little things in the 90s but there are some hidden icons that we haven't talked about like the bicycle hats with the hat the fucking thing that would flip the 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 Front part Where that would flip you come up. up with. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just obsessed even, with the. I like exhausted my '90s references like three episodes ago. No. Like, I need to go back and explore yeah. the '90s a little bit more. I think I like I blocked it out. Well, yeah, you teased me because you said you may have kept some magazines. So I'm. Oh, still, I know, and now I'm, I'm still here, twiddling here. my so Let me. Let me. I know. Let me see. I'm sure that there's somewhere. I. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna work so on that. if I'm you guys want to be like the best, like peach pit care bear student girl scout bring send us some magazines from the 90s mm. specifically yes, with if you have any like <laughs> ym or like like what was the oh god what did i just see one the other day i can't remember <laughs> what it was well marie oh, claire's uh, been yeah starts with sassy sassy, sassy. oh my god sassy? Sassy. i do remember sassy. <laughs> yes sassy. if you have any of these nice young young was there like young Mm, I don't know. know. Young Miss or something? Yeah. I don't know. Um, the mess. other, or like any uh, like pop culture references that involved exercise, like my inspiration for uh, designing the show theme, uh, our theme song for this show was with my friend Darren and I sent him the Fly Girls. Mm, right, and, right, right. And I feel like like, that's not exactly a fitness reference, but JLo's involved. Oh my gosh. Biker like shorts are involved. Dance fitness. Dance fitness and, is involved. I mean, yeah. Yes. So yeah, I take that back. So Plus it's just like upbeat and awesome. Yeah, it's upbeat and awesome. And it's like, it had, I think it was just so cool because it just had this like sporty vibe and not, not like outwardly sexual mm. vibe. And it highlighted like, some real creativity and choreography versus what a lot of other things around that time were doing, which was like hyper, you know, it was like a lot of hypersexualization. And so it just, you know, it just, it, I thought, I thought it was really cool in that way. And, yeah. and, and I like really colorful things as well. So that, that hits all the marks for me. <laughs> um, I think it's an excellent choice. Yeah. <laughs> so any of you got something there, we'd love DM, send us an email. I'll send you the studio address. You can send it right there and i think that's a wrap and that was a fucking great show for our first yeah. one after our little break yeah i really had fun it was so <laughs> insightful and so nice of brad to be here and yeah and i love always talking to you so yes always oh my gosh well happy summer happy lots happy of flowers summer. and sunshine to you my dear and happy full moon Oh yeah, that's today. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, <laughs> I got plans for you, full moon. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and you know, thanks for being here, guys and gals and y'alls. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Think Fit Be Fit Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. If you're interested in further resources, check out the show notes or visit our website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com.